welcome to the Sport Short Podcast. Sport Shorts is brought to you by the Sport Management Program at North Dakota State University and supported by the Department of Health, Nutrition, and Exercise Sciences and the Office of Teaching and Learning. I'm your host, Michael Furlong, and today I'm joined by special guest and good friend of mine, Nick Buckland. Nick, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you coming out. Nick is the director of goaltending at Hoist Hockey in here in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, and I thought he was a perfect guest for today for the topic because I was I wanted to talk about um, how coaching and different coaching styles affect players and their attitudes and how they view sports as a whole. Um, and as a coach yourself, I felt like you have a lot of experience about this. Oh, and, yeah. you, and you know know how to how to coach kids right so um yeah i mean just coaching in general i mean i've had so many different styles of coaches i don't know about you i mean you've been playing hockey your whole life right Right. yep yeah so i mean growing up through youth peewee and even into high school coaching i mean i've had plenty of different coaches um and i can think of two examples of how coaches can be polar opposites in not just like the same sport but in different sports and I guess yeah in the same sport and how that affects like um back in high school I had a coach for my uh for my football team you know he was the very traditional football coach you know he knows best you know don't lie if you don't listen exactly exactly you you do what he says and you do not do not argue with him right at all um, where on the other hand, I had another coach, my lacrosse coach, who was very charismatic, very friendly, you know, wanted to become friends with the players, so to speak. Sure. Um, and it's, I noticed on both that players either were not really gravitating towards, but liked that. A little more receptive to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for one way or the other. So it, I don't think one is necessarily worse Mm. than the other. Um, But, you know, I think it's important to look at what makes each of those styles successful for different people. Right, yeah. Like, my my thoughts on that are, like, there's no right way to coach. There's no one individual way that works, but there are a lot of wrong ways to coach. Like, there's no right answer for it, but there's a lot of wrong answers for it. Um, And, like, from your experience and from my experience growing up, I – from about six years old, about 10, I had the same coaches for about four years. So it was, it was nice to get to learn how they coach and really learn how to play the game because, you know, you're still fresh at the game. You're still trying to learn it. You're still playing hockey with your buddies. You're playing sports with your buddies. There's nothing else besides that. You know, there's no real wins or losses. You're just trying to get better. And the older I got, every year was a new coach. Had to learn how they coached, figure out what, what works best for them and how I can fit into the way they coach. And then when we got to high school, you have, you know, your consistent coach. You know, unless you play different sports, you have different coaches every year. But with with the one sport I played, it was the same coach every year. And uh, with him, he was he was he was kind of like on the line if you don't listen, but also a little goofy. You know, he had this really high pitched mm-hmm. voice, so it was hard to take him serious when he, <laughs> when he when he tried to talk stern to you. But you know, he knew what he was talking about. But he was just like some days, man. It was just it was just it was really hard to really try to stay focused. <laughs> 
I can. That's got to be hilarious. It was, yeah. Having a Sounds having like a coach. Dogs. Yeah, having a coach that's trying to yell at you and it's just sounding like just a big six four Manitoban with the voice of Mickey Mouse. It was really tough. <laughs> that's actually awesome. That's hilarious. So, um, you mentioned, um, you know, there's a lot of right ways to coach, but there's. Or there's no right way to coach, but there's definitely a wrong way to coach, you said? Yes. What What do you mean by wrong way to coach? How would you describe the wrong way? Um, in my personal opinion, in my experience, trying to be that cutthroat coach that if, if you don't do what I say, you're not going to play, you know, my way or the highway. That's, from my experience in hockey especially, that was the way they coached back in the 80s, 70s. But now, players are so you really have to become friends with players, like to a certain degree, you know, a good coach should be feared and respected, mm-hmm. but the only way you get respected as a coach is if you connect with the kids at any age, any, you know, you can be coaching professionals, but you still have to try and connect with them, you know, make them laugh, try to be friends with them a little bit, but also be that leader in a way that they follow you and they trust what you're saying. So I, I think the way of being a hard nosed, if you don't do it right, you're not playing mentality. It, it doesn't work to what it used to. Um, I, I just feel that you have to be able to relate to the kids or the adults in any any matter. And if, if they trust you, they'll follow you, right? Yeah. Does that change at all um, in the team setting versus the one-on-one setting? Because I know you, you have experience with both right. coaching a team as well as private individual lessons. Right. So does that, I mean, are you more, as much as you try to relate to all, like, on a team, right? Right. You're trying to relate. You're trying to get to know every kid on that team. Is it harder than, you know, in one-on-one? Because, I mean, it's just the two of you, right? Or is yep. it? Yeah. It's one-on-one sessions. We do one-on-three sessions, too. So, it's, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's incredibly, it's so much harder to relate to a whole team. Because on a team, you have 20 to 23 kids. Mm-hmm. And trying to figure out all of them and really connect with all of them. Like I know all their names. I'm I, I know what they what they like, what they don't like. But besides that, I really don't know them on a personal level. I try my best to, but there's only you know so many hours in a practice and so many days in a season where at some point you got to start focusing more on the game aspect than the personal aspects. I like to teeter the line of strict stern coach and also friendly coach. I, I like to think that I'm right in the middle. Like if I need to be, am I allowed to swear? Uh, let's try not to. Okay. If, if I have to be a, a tight coach, you know, more strict, more mean, I know when to use that. Mm-hmm. What In certain situations, if I know the team's in an upbeat mood, not too worried about what's going on around them, just really focusing on playing, mm-hmm. then I can be a little more, you know, a little more candid, a little more friendly. Um, like me personally, I'm a very friendly person. Like I like to talk. Oh, yeah. I love to talk. But when I get mad, I see red. Like, and if, mm-hmm. if you're... If I'm telling you to do something and you're going out there and doing the complete opposite after I talk to you many times, yeah, you're going to look like a deer in headlights. Like, I might mm-hmm. blow up on you. But I like to tread the line. But with one-on-one coaching, it's so much easier. Like, I have an hour just with that one kid. It's really easy to talk to him. You know, it's really easy to know what they like, what they don't like. I have this one goalie who I've been working with for about a year now and loves reading books. Just the nicest kid, like smartest kid in his class, works hard, asks questions. And it's just so easy to coach him because he – what makes a good coach is the players. I, I think the players that, that want to be there, that want to learn, that want to dedicate their time to actually improving their game and just all around being a better person, it makes coaching so much more fun. Because if you have the kids that show up and just go through the motions or don't listen, it 
you're not getting anything out of it. Like you're just wasting both their time. Yeah, yeah. I guess it would. It would seem that if if somebody's going there because their parents made them and they don't want to, you're gonna. They're obviously not gonna be putting in the best effort. No. And then you're. I feel like. I don't know. I've never coached, but I feel like I would personally get get kind of upset if they're if they're clearly not trying or listening to me, and then I would become one of those super angry all the time coaches if I'm constantly putting up with kids that don't want to be there. Right. Yeah. And that that's the headache you I faced when I was coaching teams. There's some kids that were dedicated that showed up every day, put the work in, and there's some kids that were just like. I'm just here, you know, just so I don't get mad or my parents don't get mad at me, you know. And it's tough because, like, hockey's such a fun game. Football's a great game. Baseball, basketball, mm-hmm. all those games are awesome. And all those kids play it because they love playing it, you know. They watch professionals do it. They want to be like them one day. But they, they get to a certain point where even some coaches might burn them out of the game, right? Like, mm-hmm. I hear a lot of horror stories about coaches ruining the game for some kids, and they just end up quitting, which is it's terrible. The whole point of coaching is to – Make the players better, but also want them to keep playing and enjoy their time. You know, sports supposed to be fun. Like all the pro guys that are getting paid millions of dollars to shoot a puck, shoot a basketball, hit a baseball, they're playing a child's game, right? It's a game meant for kids, but they're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. And it's because they enjoy doing it. It's something they love to do. And they must have had great coaches along the way that helped them better their skills, but also made them love the game that much more. That's deep. (laughs) (laughs) That's deep. That's deep because I honestly, you know, I mean, I guess I've thought about it, but I've never actually heard somebody put that in the words, and that's that's one hundred percent true. Yeah, is that? I mean, kids get burned out if coaches aren't, you know, helping them enjoy the game or giving them something to enjoy. Right. Because at that at that point, it just becomes a chore, and then you run into the kids not wanting to be there, and you run. It's just a loop. Right. You know, because if the kid doesn't want to be there, coach gets angry. Kid gets angry at the coach. He's not gonna want to go there, and it's just an endless cycle. Yeah, it's that it's that old adage that well, you know, find something you love to do. You'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sounds like you found something you love to do. I love my job. It's great. <laughs> I get to work with goalies every day. You know, it's just something I didn't expect myself to do when I started college, and it's just it's great. You know, I'm really excited for my future, but mm-hmm. it's gonna be a great time. You mentioned that. Um, I mean, growing up, you kind of had the same coach every year until you got to, what, high school, right? Um, when I was around 5 to 6 to around 10, and then from that 10-year-old to around 13, 14. So around four years, I had different coaches every year. Um, and a lot of time, they were parent coaches, which, okay, my personal opinion, I hate. Because if they're a parent coach, obviously their kid's on the team. They're going to say they don't pick favorites, but they 100% pick favorites, you know? Yeah. That dad, the coach, is friends with another kid on the team's dad. They start picking favorites. They end up putting the best kids on the worst lines and the kids' buddies on the best line. You know, they like to play them together, and they put them in high situations where they can't compete or can't play. And luckily, the the more that hockey's, you know, developing with USA Hockey and all the other branches around the country or different countries, they're starting to realize that parent coaches are not the greatest idea. Um, there are, you know, the exceptions that are really good hockey coaches that just happen to have a kid on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, like in, in some high schools, there's a kid I coached this year. He, uh, his dad coaches the West Fargo Cheyenne boys hockey team. And I talked to his dad and I said, Hey, so what's it going to look like for your son next year? He's like, well, if he doesn't play hard, he's going to be sitting JV. Simple as that. I don't care if he's my son. He's going to be 
you know, riding the bench or not even, you know, wearing street clothes. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of parent coaches that, if there are going to be them, um, they need to stick around. But the other parent coaches that just sit in there and just, my kid's playing because he's my son. I know best. It's that mentality. It's just, it just ruins the game. It makes kids hate it. I experienced it. I never want my players to experience that. That's why I enjoy coaching so much because I, I try to add something to the game that, you know, things that I made mistakes in that I want to teach these kids, like, hey, this is what I did, and I did it wrong. So, like, let's do it this way because I think this will work better than what I did. Yeah. What what kind of things are you talking about? I don't know if you have any off the top of your head. Um. Yeah. So, with uh, with my, my goalies right now, I, I specialize in goalies. Um, like, like, little details, all the intangible things, like all the, the nutrition, the working out, the mobility, the eye tracking, all the stuff that you do outside of the rink. Got is, it. Is... It's all the things that you don't see are the most important. Like if you don't if you don't stretch or you don't do your hand eye tracking, it won't translate into your game. You can do all the stuff you want on the ice, you can see all the pucks you want, but if you don't do all the extra stuff outside of it, your game's gonna plateau and you're gonna stuck there and you're gonna be upset and you're gonna get burnt out and then you're gonna quit the game. Mm-hmm. It's all the extra stuff, you know. I my young goalie said I, I don't like doing the stretching because it's boring. I'm like, well, you know, you don't do things because they're easy, and not all everything in hockey is fun. Like that's not part of hockey. That's part of goaltending that you need to do. That's not fun. Like I had to suffer through it. Every goalie that's ever played probably suffered through it, and it's it's just something you have to do if you want to get to the next step. You really care about playing and you want to play as long as you can. Any any league you want to play in, you have to do all the little things that nobody can see. Yeah, that. I mean, that definitely sounds like one of those situations where you were mentioned. You know, stern, but you're also, you know, guiding them and and being somewhat gentle with them right i guess um and i mean that too i mean i think having having these kids learn early that all these little things are just as important if not more important than sitting in net and taking shots and i love that you said early um when i first started goalie coaching i i thought like you know i played high level hockey i don't want to work with young kids because i don't think i can deal with the patience of having to coach beginner skating but the more i've coached i've realized i want more of the young kids because i can get to them early i can teach them all the the, the you know the core foundations of goaltending and then when they start picking up because kids are so quick at learning it's ridiculous mm-hmm. like my the youngest goalie i have he just started playing goalie this year and he's playing for select teams around the country now he's playing on the highest team in his organization and he's just a sponge like you tell him anything he's such a quick learner he'll figure it out within like two or three minutes and I'll have it under like just have Mm -hmm. it figured out and that it's such a big thing like if you get to them early and you have a good coach young like I had great coaches when I was young Mm -hmm. and that's what made me really fall in love with hockey because they made the game fun but they also we good okay they they also just they brought that that little extra edge that if you want to play this game I was five right when I started playing hockey I'm like I want to play in the NHL but I don't know what takes and they they wouldn't like push crazy hard drills or all these different mechanics or anything at me they just say these are the basic things you need to get down and be confident and comfortable with and then when we get there we're going to move it up you know just just a ladder you know one step at a time just do the easy stuff really easy and then work our way up yeah yeah i mean i wish i mean i don't know when you started playing when you were five i mean you probably didn't have access to you know weight training until later or anything like that i was about 14 yeah you were about 14 yeah but i mean in in my instance i grew up playing football right started in third grade i don't remember how old i was then probably eight seven yeah something like that that was when i was 
first allowed to play full contact tackle football. Um, and I had a blast. But no one no one ever tried to teach me those those little things. Right. They always were telling me how to how to read a defense. Or like or like I, I wasn't reading defenses when I was in third grade. <laughs> I was learning how to tackle. Yeah, let's say yeah, let's just learning wrap. how to tackle. Let's get body on body here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wrap up, grab cloth, tackle them to the ground. Yep. Right? I didn't no one started telling me about all the extra stuff you have to do if because I, I was the same way. I wanted I wanted to go pro. Yeah. Just like every kid who falls in love with some sport one Football, hockey, baseball. A couple of has-beens. <laughs> exactly. Everybody everybody wants to go pro, right? No one told me about the extras that you had to do, the weightlifting, the stretching, the conditioning, until, like, sophomore year of high school. Like, even, even growing up and through middle school, it was just you go to practice, you run through a couple plays, do a couple tackling drills. Get a drink of water and you're done. Exactly. Yeah. That's about it. You're there for... Hour, hour and a half, and you're done. Yeah. And then even freshman year football, um, you know, was, you know, go to practice for an hour and a half and then be dummies for the varsity team. Yeah, right. right. Be dummy. You stand there and you run the scout team defense. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're not you're not learning a playbook. No. You're not going to the weight room. Yeah. And any of the weight room you did, it was, you know, super low-level stuff. Right. Right? But it, I think if I had coaches that maybe not did that stuff with us like i wouldn't expect an eight-year-old to go to the weight room right right maybe once you get into like seventh eighth grade you can start going you know really in high school is when i think you should start taking off and that kind of stuff but the fact that i had no idea that how important that stuff was right like i always thought it was it was you just have to be you have to know the game game itself not not be physically fit you just have to know what you're doing and you'll get there right so i think the fact that you are you're coaching these kids with that mentality that you have to do a lot more than just sit on the ice oh yeah is is really great i think that's awesome that you're doing that and the way you're doing it it sounds like is is the right way to do it and it's you know, it's small sample size right now, but the results are showing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like some of these goalies, they're just so young and they're, you know, they're sponges and they just want to learn. And it's just so fun to coach them because when I when I structure my drills, obviously I try to make them as game like as possible. But there's only so much you can do when you have one goalie and one shooter, the coach, mm-hmm. and it's not game like. Like you can simulate drills, but when you actually go on a sheet of ice and you play five on five, real structured hockey you really start to see the kids that listen, the kids that really care, um, because it, it just shows. Like, they, they, they're doing the little things that we, t- like we do in, in our private lessons or our skates, and they may not even notice that they're doing them, but I'll be sitting watching. I'm like, hey, that kid just pulled off an incredible RBH, and he had no idea. He just went comfortably into it. I, for, the, for the listeners, yeah. What, what's an RBH? RBH is a goalie <laughs> term when uh, it's called the re- reverse – or. Um, God, I can't remember. Oh, reverse vertical horizontal. It's when you have either leg on the post when you're on your knee. Um, let's say you're on your left post. Your left knee is down. Your foot, your left foot's on the post. Your right leg is up, and your right skate's on the, on the ice. Um, it's a very 
nowadays not really advanced, but when I was growing up, that was like the pinnacle of goaltending. Like that was the hardest mechanic to learn. And now I have nine-year-olds doing it confidently, comfortably. And it, it, it's one of those things that you can learn it on the ice, but again, if you don't do the extra stuff off the ice, like mobility, your ankle, your knee, your hip mobility, because as goalies, we jack up our, our lower body. Like you hear, oh, yeah. you hear a lot of goalies that retire and they've had double knee replacements or they've had ankle surgeries because they didn't maybe do all the extra stuff outside of the rink enough of it and uh they're they're paying the consequences now like their their bodies are jacked they're walking uncomfortably they can't really you know get down on their knees anymore it's tough yeah yeah for sure well i don't know about you but i uh i think this was a great conversation i think it was great that was awesome i think it was a really good conversation um you know thanks again for coming of course thanks for having me i appreciate it um we get a close out here uh with the feature of the Sports Shorts podcast. Oh, I'm excited. The This Day in Sports stat. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, on this day, uh, back in 1917, the Boston Braves' first baseman, Hank Godley, Gotti, sorry. That's, That's a good fact. <laughs> yep, yep. His fact is his name. <laughs> no, but his, the uh, Braves' first baseman, Hank, Hank Gowdy, is the first MLB player to enlist in World War One, and, wow. and to this day, and now forever because they've already passed, he is the only player to serve in both World War One and World War Two, and play in the MLB. And playing exactly good for him. Yeah, what a hero! Guys out here doing it all. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're sitting in a booth making a podcast, but <laughs> stopping line drives and tyrants around the country and yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah, guys. Are Demon, yeah. I love that. I bet he had a great coach when he was a kid. Oh, I guarantee it. Yeah. One, yeah, one last thing to say is, I was gonna say this earlier, but it, I think if you take a pool of a hundred players from each big four, you know, MLB, NHL, MNFL, and the uh, and NBA, mm-hmm. if you ask a hundred of them, I bet ninety percent of them would say they had a good coach when they were young, right? That's why they they're still playing. But then you have those oddballs that are just god gifted talent. Yeah. Just like. At eight years old, they could probably dunk. <laughs> right. You know, because kids are getting so tall, it's crazy. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, good players make good coaches, and good coaches make good players. It's a cycle. Yeah. Everything's a cycle. Yeah. Well, all right. Thank you again yeah, for uh, joining me. And thank you to everybody listening to the Sports Short Podcast. Yeah.